So hello everyone, welcome to the webinar. Uh, we have a, an emergency situation. I'm sure everyone knows about that. So we are happy to uh, do a quick webinar about Log4j. I'll uh, introduce uh, me and the team, and then we'll start. Uh, my name is Noam Dror. I'm the Vice President of Solution Engineering here at Hub Security. I've been uh, in the field of cybersecurity for many, many years, working with large uh, enterprises across the world, helping them find solutions for their uh, security needs. And I'm happy to be here. Uh, then I want to introduce uh, Yuri to everyone. Yuri, why don't you take uh, some time and introduce yourself? Thanks, um, hi all. I'm uh, Yuri Barbier. I'm um, the global CISO of uh, of Gtronix. So um, yeah, of course. Um, I think last week and still today is uh, is an interesting time. Let's say. Um, so yeah, here and happy, uh, you know, to to present a bit um, my view on, on on what happened and and how we deal with it. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to uh, to the session. Thank you, Noam. Sounds good. And I'm sure a lot of people are in your situation right now, need to deal with uh, an emergency situation. Uh, another person who had to deal with a personal emergency situation was uh, Sergey, uh, the CTO of Comsec. He will not be able to join us, but uh, I'm going to run through his presentation. And we got our expert, Ruven, on here on the call. And Ruven, uh, maybe take a few minutes to introduce yourself. Everybody, so my name is Robert Kuhn, and I'm the head of offensive security at uh, Comsec. I'm also taking care of emergencies as they arise from uh, a technical perspective, and, and it's taking care of the scanning of detecting the, the attacks and the mitigating them as part of our services. That's perfect, and thank you for joining last minute. That was uh, <laughs> unexpected. So that's great. So uh, let's start. Uh, so first, we wanted to uh, go over uh, the introduction of uh, Log4j, uh, the vulnerability. What is it? How does it work? Uh, how it's be how it is being exploited right now in the world? We'll go through that. Uh, then we'll go through uh, Yuri's point of view. How a CISO is dealing with it? What's the you know what are the the steps that are need to be taken? Uh, then we'll go through uh, mapping of solutions. How do you want to deal with an event like that uh, in multiple points of view, different uh, solutions to deal with it right now and solutions to deal with it later to prevent it from happening again. And then we'll open it up for questions and answers. So feel free to start writing your questions in the Q&A. And then uh, as time permits, we will answer as many uh, questions as we can. And if we will not have uh, enough time to answer all the questions, we'll try to get back to you and we'll also with, publish uh, some of uh, log for shell we'll publish uh, a way to log for shell is the, the uh, presenters is the attack so and the, the vulnerability ask, uh, it, it's using a log for j uh, logging component it's an open source uh, java component that uh, is widely used uh, everywhere uh, to log stuff so if i'm writing my own application today uh, most likely I will use log4j to log uh, events for my application. It can be from a smart device at home uh, all the way through an enterprise microservices based uh, application that is on the cloud. Uh, so it's very widely uh, spread. Uh, when we thought about it, we thought, you know, vulnerabilities is nothing new. There are vulnerabilities uh, every day, every minute. We deal with them all the time. So you know, at the uh, sign of the time, we like to compare it with something we know. And, um, uh, and then uh, we, we compare it to COVID-19 actually, because it's so widely spread. Uh, it's so big. It's kind of the, 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 the epic of the, the diseases right now, but it will also have variants. It will change, it will, it will evolve. Uh, and we, it will be here for a long time. So right now is the time to deal with it, but uh, we know that it will continue to, to uh, happen and be exploited. And we see even today, uh, things like uh, WannaCry or other malware that is spreading around, even though the patch for those uh, vulnerabilities is, uh, is on the market for a very long time, but we still see 
uh, spread of those kind of events uh, throughout uh, different regions and uh, different times. Uh, so that, that's going to continue to happen. Uh, so let's explain a little bit how this uh, vulnerability works. So again, log4j is uh, just a component, an open source component that can be part of any application. So if I build myself a uh, some sort of a marketplace, uh, uh, an order application, a payment application, I go to my regular application that uh, I need to order something, and I just put uh, an HTTP header called user agent. That's one of the one of the ways to do it. I'll put a, instead of the a real username, I'll put this malicious string. Uh, that malicious string will actually go to an outside server that I uh, establish or an inside server. If I, if I already have uh, some sort of a, a, a hold inside the, uh, the um, victim uh, environment and that LDAP server will then be able to send malicious code to the log4j application, which will then be executed. So we have a very dangerous combination of, uh, of uh, environments here. One, uh, this component is everywhere. Two, it's very easy to exploit it. Three, the severity of what can happen is, uh, is pretty high because you can do anything. You can execute any code uh, on the environment. That's, uh, that's, that's the problem. Uh, so we already see that uh, being spread in the world and being exploited. In fact, uh, oh, uh, let's just uh, finish this. So we have the victim, right? And the victim can be anyone. It can be someone at home. It can be an organization. It can come from inside the organization if an attacker already have uh, some access to it. Uh, the attackers can be anywhere in the world. And that uh, malicious LDAP server or any other server that is going to be exploited uh, can be anywhere in the world and can also be inside your network already. So that's... Uh, so that's uh, one of the problems there. And it's a very simple uh, way uh, to uh, exploit this vulnerability. That's all you need to do in order to exploit the vulnerability. That, that, those are the challenges we have right now uh, within that specific vulnerability. So just to show the spread of it, within, the, within 20 hours of this vulnerability being exposed, uh, there are already 1.4 million attacks uh, in those 20 hours. Uh, so now it's way more than 20 uh, hours. We need to uh, figure out how many attacks uh, were discovered, but uh, this is now widely used. So let's look at some examples. Uh, one is a uh, malware called Chasing, uh, which is known to drop uh, cryptocurrency mining. And uh, it's using your compute power, especially containers, to do uh, mining of cryptocurrency. So they're using our uh, computing environment to mine for cryptocurrency for their, for their benefit. That's already uh, using that. Uh, very easy for the, the attackers to do it. That's what's uh, being discovered and uh, pretty easy to get that um, option to work. Uh, similarly, uh, the Mirai botnet, which is used for a DDoS as a service, so in the cyber criminal world, you can buy an attack. And uh, Mirai is a network of botnets who can attack whoever you want. So if I want to attack someone, I'll go to Mirai, I'll say, hey, I need you to attack this specific IP or this specific service, and it will operate uh, its sleeper agents. So you can be the sleeper agent of the Mirai botnet network, and that would uh, now exploit the vulnerability uh, of, uh, of log4j to use your network, your resources to attack others. So they're just putting a zombie inside your network. You're not aware of it. It doesn't do anything until they command this, uh, this zombie to start working. That's the, uh, that's the danger here. So we're already seeing uh, in the world uh, some bad exploits and that's why this needs to be uh, treated immediately. Uh, those are only two uh, examples, but they're on already verified malware that uh, already added log4j vulnerability into their uh, arm uh, armory. So each one of those Trojan horses malware uh, already using log4j as a way to get into the network and uh, install the malware inside our uh, systems. 
and, and this is just a, um, a, a not an up-to-date picture. This is a picture I think from a few days ago. I'm sure by now there, there, there are more malwares that can use log4j as a way into an organization. Uh, malware is one thing, but uh, we also see nation states and cyber criminal organizations are using this vulnerability. Uh, so with China, uh, Hafnium is a, a organization sponsored by uh, a nation state and it's uh, in deploying ransomware and already using the vulnerability to do that. Uh, there is an organization called uh, Sophorus, uh, who's backed by uh, Iran, is already using a uh, uh, virtualization uh, infrastructure to extend their typical uh, targeting uh, using that, the Block4j vulnerability. Uh, we also read some uh, uh, blogs from Microsoft talking about North Korea and Turkey-backed uh, groups uh, that are leveraging this specific uh, vulnerability. Uh, I can share more of the blogs that, uh, that we read on uh, who's using that, but that's uh, concerning as well. That means that a lot of money is getting into exploiting this vulnerability. And if your organization is uh, sensitive to a nation state attack, then that's another way for them to get into uh, the environment. Not only nations, but also cyber uh, criminal groups are using that. So the Wizard Spider group, uh, they have uh, uh, ransomware as a service. So if you want to uh, ransom uh, someone with ransomware, you can go to the Wizard Spider. They provide a service called Conti. And uh, now Conti as a ransomware service is using the uh, Log4j vulnerability in order to uh, get access and install their ransomware uh, inside the system. And that's a paid service. Uh, similarly, Evil Corp, uh, they have this uh, uh, solution that, uh, that uh, exploits and attack uh, the uh, victims uh, for hire, and they also use uh, Log4j now as a tool, as a gateway to get into uh, the uh, victim's environment. Uh, so that's, again, it's another concerning aspect of the, of the uh, problem. Uh, now, I want to take it to Yuri to talk about how a CISO needs to deal with uh, a big event like this. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Noam. So, CISO view, and, and I think I, I, I also wanted to cover the, the, time, the timeline here, actually. So, first of all, where, where do we start? Yeah. Um, from our perspective, key element in this is, is threat intelligence, which, which we use really as, as the foundational block yeah, for everything we do within Gtronics, within, within our own security. Um, and so the, there, the, the security team actually treats Gtronics itself also, also as our own customer. Yeah. Now, while I think typically without the threat intelligence, I think a lot of people became aware of it last week, Monday, right? With the threat intelligence, we were, we were actually, um, I think, aware on, uh, on, on Friday, yeah, before the weekend all, already. So what is good there that it informs us about the threat, it feeds into the vulnerability program, and we can actually very quickly check um, internally if we are exposed or not. So this is this is really the first key step before you know we we start kicking off other things. We want to try and understand where we are from a from a from a company perspective. Um, so this is this is really key in the timeline. Also to be able to, as a next step, inform our colleagues. You know, inform our customers. Yeah, because that's that's the key view. We need to understand where we are. So with that, that that's actually a, a service which consists of open source threat intelligence. I won't read everything what is in there. You can see that for, for yourself. Um, and then we also use um, a market leading uh, threat intelligence platform. Now, platform is one thing, right? But the key thing is actually more the, 
the people who operate it as well and making sure that we have the right processes and procedures in place the right guidance yeah if such a thing happens like log4j like like we saw that immediately the, the right triggers are pulled the right people are informed and then then it's it's really key because then at that point that comes to me and we immediately with the team with the security team we immediately have that view okay this is this is serious yeah there were other things like for example when we had a typical i don't know you know uh, some monthly microsoft vulnerability with, with a low uh, with a low cvss score for example it gets triggered it gets notified but hey we covered that in the normal vulnerability program patching while this one it was immediately i think um, over the weekend it became very quickly very clear out of out of our threat intelligence that we have um, that this was going to going to be really serious so that was the first point i wanted to cover here and and i have to say if of course you know talking about the CISA view this gives you comfort right comfort in one hand you might panic about it because there's suddenly a lot of things to cover on the other hand it gives you comfort because you know what's out there and you can actually start preparing based on already in place in incident response um, procedures and so on but you can actually already start responsing responsing before it becomes a problem you know and and that is that is really key so that if you look at the timeline that was really the first the first point um we tackled um and, and we we reviewed you can move to the next slide no so then looking at the timeline right we were aware um of of the log4j situation and we kicked off with our incident response team which is which is a combined effort actually um between the the Gtronics, we call it the mim team but the, that's the major incident management team and um, the security team so from that perspective we, we take a risk-based approach yeah um so that is based on, on on an existing vulnerability management program so there if, if you have that as a CISO or an IT manager if, if you have that program in place you can quickly add let's say the log4j vulnerability to your existing vulnerability management program to your existing scanning scanning devices and so on so so that's the approach um, we took now up to now that was all you know um reviewing what was going on um making sure that that um, we got the incident response kicked up but the next step is of course getting all information all operational people together also making sure that we get the right notifications out to to our customers and in that first instance you can expect a lot of questions right how bad is it yeah um and, and i call it always there's always some form of initial confusion yeah i think you mentioned you mentioned right this this is a pandemic so it, it will probably these vulnerabilities will go in flows right um will go in waves um so in in some cases yeah people might think like probably most of us start with with the real COVID. yeah it wouldn't be that bad it would be a normal flu and so on now it was pretty clear this was like if you compare it not the normal flu yeah? so that's that's what you know i think is also a key thing as as a CISO or, or or security manager or an it director you need to be able to take away this this is serious yeah this is something you you need um you need the attention the next step is analyzing and, and reviewing where where you are actually affected yeah. um, get an understanding about your your environment then if you know that create the best solution and fix for your organization and also keep assessing the risk yeah. um, work from outside in um, so first looking at at the public facing solutions and and services and then actually move to your to your internal um, internal solutions and, and and services 
Um, as well, keep a good eye on systems that contain sensitive information. Might be things around um, access control, might be things around maybe some, some HR database, yeah, those kind of things. So, but that's that's really key to, to also have that visibility. Next step is basically, and I think planning and doing comes in at this point really at, at the same stage, is um, a big patching effort um, where patches were already available, where, pack, where patches won't, weren't available, actually making sure you have, you have a workaround or, or mitigation in, in place in the most um, short time possible. Yeah, because we, we, we couldn't wait, of course, for, for, for a week. Yeah. So, so that is really, really all hands-on, full focus, full, full attention. And then SG Tronics for, for ourselves internally, we, we have of course the luxury, we have our own SOC. Yeah. So we have our own security monitoring in place, of course, against our environments. So which can give us a very quick overview of, for example, the scanning which is on, ongoing or if there are possible attacks ongoing. So that was all, I think this is all more operational stuff, right? One, two, three. Then we get to four, um, which is informing your boards. Yeah. Getting your senior leadership up to team, up, up to speed, sorry. Um, and also keeping them up to date with, with, with the daily progress. And, and I would state here that in that regard, I'm, I'm lucky myself that, that I have quite a very good board support, exco support. So, so for me, that is, that is quite easy. Now, I, I, would, I would like to remind you know, people who are, are responsible or have a certain responsibility in this, like towards security, um, you need to have the senior leadership buy-in. I think if you don't have that in this case, and probably also what's in front of us, what, what is in front of us, you have a problem. Um, you really have a problem, I think, because you need that backing, you need that buy-in, you need to meet, you need that support to actually be able to, to make that progress with, with, with everybody, making sure that, that everything runs. So that is a bit in a nutshell, I think what, as a, as a security manager, IT director, you, you need to look at. Um, and also, this is an, in a nutshell, actually, you know, with our four main steps, let's say. But this is not in, in a nutshell what, what um, we covered on, on around um, in, a, in a very short time frame. I think um, um, at the time from, from Sunday to, I think, around Monday noon, mid-afternoon, this, this was all done. Yeah. So it's important to to keep that speed going. With that, yeah, yeah. Noam, the last get, point uh, here was very important, Yuri. Right, as a as a as a certified CISO, I can definitely say that one of the most important roles of a CISO is to communicate the technical risk to business uh, leadership, and that means you cannot tell them, "Oh, we have a vulnerability; we need to start patching." They won't understand that. You need to explain what is the business risk and why this needs attention from senior leadership, right? If, we, if we're just going to start yelling, we need to patch, we need to patch, no one will uh, pay attention to this, right? Mm -hmm. We need to explain what is the business risk to the leadership and then, then we'll get the resources we need because it's really a company-wide effort to fix this just because it's so widely uh, vulnerable right now. I absolutely, absolutely agree. And, and I think I really want to, to recommend everyone, those who are not in that situation today, I think, I think yeah, it, it still is out there. Yeah, um, start working on this because this, yeah. is really, this is really a key thing. You can put, I think, numerous programs in place, yeah, um, but this is really key. And then you'll also be able to deliver uh, if you start this will also be able to deliver actually the right advice. Yeah, start with some with some key metrics um, on 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 business risk and also evolve them over time. Yeah, show show how it how it's improving or show how it's not improving. Right, if you go backwards, but that is indeed a good indication that you need additional support from them. 
and I think with with certainly, I think we've we've seen now this this kind of first wave. I think it's certainly you know the most important thing to get in to get in place, um, and also of course for for Comsec for Hub uh, for us for Gtronics. Um, to be to be able to help those people get that in place yeah. as well. That, that's exactly. important to note as well. So that's exactly our next slide. So uh, since we are all in in this business of helping customers address their security challenges and needs and IT uh, needs, uh, we put together a plan and a, a solution or roadmap to address the existing problem, but also prevent uh, this problem from occurring again. Uh, so we have a combined solution uh, between the, the, the three companies. Uh, the, then it starts with uh, mapping the attack surface, right? We need automated detection of the vulnerability just to understand what do we need to fix. Uh, it sounds easy, but it's not as easy as you would think, right? It's not enough to just say, oh, let's go through all of my IPs and I'll try to send something. You need to actually understand the application and understand the architecture. Just to give you a simple example, if you use a uh, microservices architecture and you have a bunch of containers, those containers are not exposed as an IP or even as a port. There'll be a URL inside your application. Each one of them can have the vulnerability. So we need to understand the, uh, the architecture of the environment in order to scan all of those vulnerable um, or potential vulnerable uh, uh, systems. Uh, and that's how you start to map it. Uh, the other problem there is that you have different controls in place. So if you start from one way, uh, especially if you have complex networks, you have multiple sites, you can start from the outside and that's where you should start because that's most of the attackers there outside. But I can assure you, you already have attackers inside. So the scanning should be done from the inside, but also from the outside, but also from the inside because if an attacker already have a spot somewhere in an HVAC system, in a system that is not an uh, important system, but they're already inside your, your perimeter, then they have the access to internal systems as well. So you need to map the attack uh, surface. So you'll find a lot of systems that you need to fix, right? We're talking about thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, it depends on your and the organization size, but you'll find a lot of systems that needs to be fixed. You need uh, to prioritize that, uh, you need to uh, understand what to fix first. Uh, you need to uh, understand what's more vulnerable. Uh, so for this one, we have advisory services that even includes a virtual CISO and uh, includes different services that uh, we can help. The next phase is to actually fix it. Uh, there's not much that we can do about it. Every organization needs to patch uh, the system, but patching is not enough. Uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say... Uh, you have uh, maybe the not most experienced uh, development team, or maybe they're experienced, but they thought it would be a good idea to take a bunch of uh, open source code and embed it in their own code. So instead of using the full library of Log4j, they took portion of that and they put that code inside the uh, application that they developed. That means you cannot pitch it. You actually need to find a vulnerable code and fix that code within your own application. So you need to have a code review as well as an infrastructure assessment just to understand how do I need to fix stuff that uh, is not just within uh, the, vul the vulnerable uh, library itself. So that's the, the next phase, fixing. Uh, but then I need to know, was I hacked? So until I fixed everything, did someone exploit the vulnerability and attacked me? What kind of data they took? So we need to go uh, threat hunting. Uh, we have that service, we can uh, threat hunt and uh, tell you, we think that you got hit here. Uh, this is the impact of that uh, breach. So you can uh, prepare to, resp to respond to that breach. Of course, there are some, uh, in some cases, legal uh, obligations that you need to understand that you got breached and how you not notify your customers. Uh, and in some regions, uh, you need to do it within a specific time frame. So that's important that if you are vulnerable and this vulnerability is uh, so much exploited, you should look that if you got breached and if you did get breached, you need to one, fix it, but two, start a, a notification process and other uh, legal obligations as well. Uh, but I think the most important part, I don't know if the most important part, at the same time, I, 
I call it uh, clean up the mess. So everything you see so far, we have a mess, we need to clean it up. Uh, but uh, you also need to find a way to not start with that mess from the beginning. So how do I protect uh, my sensitive applications, my sensitive assets, my sensitive servers with something that would uh, prevent uh, the attack of those vulnerabilities? Because we, we will always have vulnerabilities. We will have vulnerabilities today. We, have, we will have vulnerabilities in the future. We'll always have vulnerabilities. But if there's a way to prevent those vulnerabilities from being exploited, we need to deploy it right now after we clean up. Of course, we have to clean up first, but then we need to uh, start preparing for the future. So next time the mess will not be that large, or at least the mess will be in places that are less important and, and the, the most important part would not have that mess. Throughout this process, so while I'm mapping, I need to have my SOC know how to respond to it because the SOC needs to see, I have now plenty of exploits. What do I deal with right now? Uh, then I need, when I do the prioritization, I need to uh, update my SOC operations, especially after I fix, I need to tell my SOC, hey, this is how you're going to respond because those are the list of servers that are not vulnerable for, for it anymore. So now you need to deal with the servers that are vulnerable to the exploit. Uh, and of course, when you do the hunting, you need to start using your SOC to understand how did you get hit, what kind of data leaked out, what users were used you, you during, uh, during that time frame, uh, what ports were used, what IPs were used, and you, you need to have a complete uh, incident response uh, procedure for that. And of course, when you have that protection, you want to make sure that your SOC is involved to see what kind of attacks are being uh, are being uh, invoked on my system. Actually, the prevention part, and I'll go to that soon, the prevention part helps your SOC understand what attacks do I have without those attacks being uh, exploited. So you'll see the attacks, those attacks uh, will, be, will fail, but now you have information that tells you what you need to do in the environment that you're, you're not protecting because you cannot protect everything at the same level. You're going to protect your crown jewels in a very heavy safe, and you're going to protect your, I know, regular papers in a regular cabinet. So if you look at what kind of attacks are, are being done on your safe, which will not work, now you know what kind of attacks are being done on your less sensitive uh, information. Uh, this is all needs to be in coordination with your SOC um, system. Uh, and Ruven, you want to say anything about one of those uh, services? Something I uh, we can expand on here. Uh, no, actually, there were some questions in the QA, so I think I will just uh... wait for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so the next one is talking about uh, the SOC service. So Yuri, a few words about that. Yeah. So so why and and certainly certainly in this case, um, why is that so important? Yeah. Um, we strongly believe, and, and as we see internally as well, um, we, we now have our, have our, have our own SOC, uh, I think already a bit more than, than four years. Um, we use it internally and, and for our customers. It's become the cornerstone of our organization. And I think it should be the cornerstone of any organization because without it, you're actually blind. Yeah. So you, you don't you don't know what's going on from a security perspective you just don't have the visibility which doesn't give you any chance right to to protect from from the attacks which are which are happening today no chance um so here with 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 our SOC and, and with uh, with the cyber security analytics it provides a threat and compliance monitoring and um, built actually on, 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 our, on our log management service uh, using, using uh, the, the, the log rhythm SIEM, SIEM platform. And also at the same point, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, there is the integration in that threat intelligence platform. So you can actually quickly cross check against any, any known IOCs. Yeah. Um, it, it provides really the awareness of, of any security events across the whole IT estate. Um, 
and and I think it 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 helped us, and and it would help anyone really um, in in any any situation like this, or or, or in in a case of, of you know attacks which which are ongoing. Um, we have threat monitoring based on the Mitra attack framework. Um, so using a playbook management lifecycle process to basically detect attacker techniques. Um, important there is, is to be able to, to, to detect things like, like lateral movement, you know, as we know, uh, right? Typically before, before ransomware, for example, is, is deployed and you might have some lateral movement in, in, in your environment. So, so that's really key there to, to, to have a view to have a view on that. Um, context monitoring, yeah. Um, there is always some, we strongly believe in that, there's always some um, really joint development needed to, to really um, tailor it to, to the right environment, to the, to the environment, so, so that you get the, the right alerts and the right alerts. Um, so basically below, yeah, there you, you see a summary a bit of what this contains. Um, but the, the, the main point is actually that you get, you get the visibility you need. Yeah. You get the understanding. And at the same point, you can use it to, to detect, to protect, but also to use the metrics and the reporting if it wouldn't be in place yet towards your board and towards your senior senior leadership. And, and that can be fine-tuned as you go along, of course, but that is, that is really key. It gives you a, a full set of that visibility and, and the possibility to, to actually use that, that reporting um, towards the leadership team. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, if we'll go back to this uh, plan, I'll show you the previous slide uh, that was here. So we were talking about SOC being needed in every part of this plan. We talked about mapping, prioritizing, fixing, hunting, and now about how do we protect for the future? So uh, Hub Security has a uh, secure compute environment, uh, which is a uh, uh, appliance-based software and, uh, and hardware. Uh, that is where you keep your most sensitive applications. And uh, it has a lot of different capabilities. I'm just going to talk about specific capabilities that are going to help you protect against Log4j, but any other vulnerabilities. Uh, I think the idea of it is uh, other than, uh, I would uh, take one example is zero trust. So zero trust talks about how can you take all of your security configuration and, and uh, micro-perimetize them into the smallest, uh, as NIST call it, uh, the smallest uh, ex ex uh, inclusive trust zone you can have. So think about each server having its own trust zone and uh, doesn't trust anything that is not familiar to it. So let's take an example. When an attacker trying to uh, get this, uh, the initial uh, HTTP request, REST API, to get into uh, the server, we can inspect uh, the, the, the fields, we can inspect the strings. Even, even before the string inspection, we can prevent the exposure of the APIs to the outside world. On top of that, we can add uh, authorization key and signature. So we can say only authorized signatures, only authorized tokens are able to get into uh, this application, this server. So that means the attacker would need to find a way to send a valid request. Uh, so that, that, that's one way to slow them down. Uh, so that's the first one. The second phase is when the, let's say it did go somehow, someone stole my, my token and they were able to sign a, a message and that message now is on its way to uh, to the server. So now the server goes to the LDAP server. The external LDAP server is one of the examples. That would also be denied because that external LDAP server is not something we expect. So we would have uh, a list of uh, IP addresses and ports that are able to work through that server. And we automatically will block any external channels uh, 
uh, that are the wrong protocols, the wrong, the wrong IP, the wrong ports. So that would be blocked. Uh, let's say that by mistake, uh, this port and IP uh, is open. We can also make sure that when it goes back, we will block any unauthorized executable, which is the malicious code that is uh, running, uh, that is getting back into the server. And we can define policies to mitigate that. We can even say, you know what, if you are the administrator of the server, you might be able to put an, execut an executable inside, but there is no way you will be able to do anything with it unless there is an uh, additional approver in order to do that. So we can get governance inside the solution as well. So I just talked, uh, told you about, I think, uh, four or five different functionalities of the solution. One is uh, signature and token verification. Two is uh, authorization of APIs. Three is uh, uh, access control uh, for APIs. And four is governance of, uh, of access, who can approve what, who needs to approve what before it actually happens. And uh, the sixth one is actually uh, a network control, right? What kind of IPs and ports can, can happen here? Uh, just those features on top of other uh, features we have in our, in our solution can help you mitigate any vulnerability that uh, your applications might have. Uh, and that's why we think of it as you know, the most sensitive stuff needs to work on the most uh, secure environment. And we provide that environment uh, for our customers. So that's the, uh, that's the explanation about the protect stuff. Of course, you need to clean up the mess first. If you already have a vulnerable application, it already executed some uh, malicious code. That's not the right time to put that code uh, in a secure environment. You need to clean up first. And then, you, uh, and then you prevent the next uh, attack from happening. So I think that's uh, in terms of uh, of the, the content we had. Uh, let's go to uh, q and I can stop sharing now. And I'll go through some of the questions. Maybe the first question, uh, Ruven, I'll, uh, I'll have you uh, answer. And the question is, can you give some more examples on, on how the log4j vulnerability can be exploited? That's, uh, I mean, there's a, the obvious aspect to it. Uh, obviously, the log for j vulnerability can be exploited for remote code execution. Also, I had some listeners spread out in purpose collection of those type of uh, exploits. Uh, so I have also some hands-on and real exploits collected uh, in our database. Uh, they're very interesting. You, know, you can see different type of uh, vector, type vectors and so on. And I would also like to expand a different uh, approach. I've recently saw um, basically a version of the exploitation of the vulnerability to patch the system. So it's a type of vaccine which can be used to basically safeguard the system against the attacks. Basically, you attack the system, you inject the malicious code, not malicious, but the code, which is then used to patch the system. It's a, the one I saw was actually just a but fix, attach, meaning that once you restart the server, the vulnerability will come back. But it can be used as a measure to prevent exploitation of vulnerability until the proper patching period. Makes sense. So I hope that answers the status question. And yeah. Let's go to the next one. Uh, so it says, uh, if I use commercial products like Tenable or Qualys to scan my network for the vulnerability, uh, will it guarantee I will find all instances of vulnerable uh, log4j? Uh, so obviously no, and unfortunately that's not the case. Uh, as known, as you previously mentioned, the vulnerability is very uh, customized, meaning that it can be in any field in the application, very depends on the logic of the application itself. Uh, I mean, there's a locking mechanism, so we can lock anything we want. It may be the user agent, this is what attackers are mostly hoping, or some custom header, maybe a query string or some L, but it can also be something very unique to the application. It can be the username, it can be something only in the registration, it can be, the, can be also some functionality which is only achieved at a very specific page on the system. Again, depends on how the library was implemented. So it's very, uh, very uh, diverse. 
but we do recommend also to use the tools that you have mentioned just to just to check if you can be easily hacked. And then later on to move into internal code review and verification of the reduced libraries. Okay, makes sense. Okay, uh, let's see. Another one we have here uh, is the risk uh, server side only or client side as well. Yes, that's actually a very interesting question. Um, it, it is also valid for client side because it is the same uh, library used. Uh, but I would say the impact is lesser. Again, it depends on how the client side application is being used. I assume yeah. uh, when we mentioned client side, um, they mean thick client. They feel like a executable which you're running on your own device in your laptop, uh, which is developed for, let's say, organizational use. Yeah. Uh, so again, it may depend on the permission set for the executable or how is it communicating in the network. Uh, so it can be also exploited to gain remote code execution, but again, depends what is the impact. Because for my own local device, I can gain remote code execution. I would say local code execution, uh, the impact may not be as significant and as uh, someone who is able externally to gain control over the system. Yeah. I would maybe add on top of that, it depends on the client too. Uh, just to give you an example, let's say I have a, I know, a smart speaker or some sort of an IoT, that can be a client. That client has Log4j for sure, right? There's some Java running there. So if you use another vulnerability, an attacker use another vulnerability to have the client, which is a smart device to send uh, this exploit, it will be, it can be exploited as well at the same time, right? So uh, it depends on the client as well. Okay, let's see another one. Uh, uh, it says something about a new uh, patch that came last Friday. Is it mandatory to patch or uh, the first patch that came last week uh, enough to prevent? So the latest patch, patch is for version 217. Uh, I believe that one went out last Friday, and I'm not sure exactly about the dates. Um, so there's actually two types of vulnerabilities. The first one is the main one, the RC, which allows you to gain control over the system. And it was patched, but the patch was insufficient, which still allowed um, to cause enough service to the system. So there is a still way to inject a payload, which will bring the system down. It will not allow you to gain control over it you can still uh, take it down. So this may impact business continuity or its availability and so on. So we do recommend to update you to the latest version possible. Right, right. Okay, that's good. Uh, the next uh, question, uh, you spoke a lot about mitigation strategies from a point of view of a large enterprise with a budget that can support that. Could you give some advice to some of the smaller organization uh, approach to, uh, that should be um, uh, surely arising in, the, in uh, the future. So what do small companies can do? Um, okay. I want to do a few things here. Uh, I'll solicit for you your answers, but uh, there is a lot of uh, free tools out there right now. Uh, uh, we are also building a tool right now that will be free uh, use. It's not ready yet, but I think in a, a day or two, we'll be able to announce that new tool that people can look for their specific vulnerability, but there's a lot of tools that are available. And then Yuri, you want to expand on that answer? Yeah, yeah, I want to want to expand a bit on that one um, yeah. because I think it's, it's, it's also that there are two things, right? I think one thing for smaller companies to look at, okay, what budget is there is, is available, yeah? And then, for instance, um, talk to us. Yeah, so so we can also understand and see what what is the most effective solution which can fit into your budget. That's one. But I think even certainly as important is that you now with this example, if it's not in place already, that with this example you think about you know, procedures and, and policies and standards, you can actually do right now, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's something, okay, you need to set time aside for that, but, but it's something which can help you so much, yeah? Because, because even 
and and I always keep repeating that as well, also to to my internal team, yeah, to, to my teams, is like the technical solution or the technical element is one thing, yeah, but but how you how you have your your procedures in place, yeah, maybe maybe yeah, if if you're a smaller if you're a smaller company, and you have you you have at some point critical data, yeah. Maybe the procedure is that simple. If you have an event like this, yeah, unplug it, yeah, unplug it from public access. And in the meantime, as long as the threat is out there, you know, look for a patch or look for a, for a mitigation, yeah. And and I think in, in that way, and that won't apply to bigger companies, I think. But but in that way, I think a lot of people will will understand that. You put a mitigation in place, and that you're maybe down or offline for one hour or two hours in a weekend, for example. Yeah, um, instead of having your all your whole environment affected or impacted by an attack. Yeah, so so it's it's, it's that risk-based approach as well, and I think that that is that is really key there as well. Don't look only at the technical solution, but provide a combination of like Noam said, yeah, we can we can deliver you know CISO advisory services as well. Um, so so look at that, and and I would right. would strongly recommend that as well. It's a yeah. combination of these things. Yeah, and by the way, a virtual CISO would tell you that you need to plan ahead. That means anytime you buy a new application, a new system, you want to make sure that security is part of the contract. You don't want to deal with the security problem yourself, definitely if you are a smaller organization. So if you're going to buy uh, an application, make sure that part of the contract is maintenance for security vulnerabilities, as well as you know, regular application updates. Right? That, that, that would be important. Then you don't need to fix it. Your vendor that sold you that application would have to fix it. Uh, okay, uh, the next question. Uh, I think I'll, I'll, tr I'll read it and then I'll try to try to um, uh, put my, my understanding of the question. Uh, does, um, does there exist sufficient reputation data on how Log4j is an, orga uh, is an organization has, if an organization uh, has a defined perimeter to mitigate all exploit attempts? What uh, yeah. I would say the best attempt would be to detect the dollar mark and the opening uh, parentheses. Although again, uh, I do have a lot of experience uh, in the past week from uh, attempting to bypass WAFs and so on. And uh, some of the attempts were successful. Uh, so I wouldn't entirely rely on those types of protections. Although they are good, uh, it's just playing mouse and cat. We can always bypass WAF eventually. Uh, the okay. second type of protection would be to uh, limit the outbound traffic. So this won't provide a solution for internal attackers sitting in the network, but it can greatly uh, limit the impact on external backends. Because if you have no external internal connection from the server subnet, from the server, server uh, network, you won't be able, I mean, the payload won't be able to successfully download it. And so you just need to limit out the external network to the internet from your servers. I would say that would be the best solution uh, as a bandit until the proper patching mechanisms or the patching procedures are completed. I would say it's just one mitigation control. I think the, the challenge here is that Log4j really shows us that uh, perimeter doesn't matter anymore because the vulnerability is everywhere. So yes, if the attacker is outside, and the LDAP server is outside, block LDAP to the outside and put a WAF in the inside, great. But most likely you already have an attacker inside and that attacker can uh, implement an LDAP server inside. 
So your perimeter security would not help. That, that's, uh, that's one problem. The second problem is your WAF. If you put a WAF, your WAF needs to be aware of what it's protecting. If it's protecting something that you're not aware of, then you can send whatever you want to, to anywhere. That's, that's a problem. And there are other ways to get into your network. So I think uh, you know, th this new challenge really shows us that the perimeter is not a good enough uh, solution. It can be exploited in so many ways that it's a little Band-Aid. It might it definitely, you wanna put as many Band-Aids as you can, but uh, you won't stop the bleed with, uh, with that Band-Aid. That's I think uh, from my standpoint. I think as well, Noam, um, you know, you, we, we've saw a lot of over, over the last years always talking about defense in depth and, and how do you do that at, at all layers. If you look at just that brief sentence, right, defense in depth yeah. or those words, yeah, this is in practice what it means, yeah, what, what do you need to do? Perimeter protection, yes, it will help, yeah, like, like, Everything will will help, but it's it's that combination of things. And and I also strongly believe, of course, now with with so many remote workers, with with, with COVID, with the pandemic, yeah. Um, does your perimeter still exist? Yeah. I think in a lot of cases that that has disappeared. Yeah. So. So yes, you can do things there, and you need to do the things there. But but again, defense in depth look at the different layers and, and try to cover all layers as, as good as possible. Yeah. Uh, I think last question, since we're getting to the top of the hour, uh, what is a common way procedure for InfoSec professionals, security analysts to mitigate the zero day exploits like Log4j? And I'll just say Log4j is not a zero day exploit because it has a patch. Zero day exploits are, are uh, vulnerabilities that still do not have a fix. They do not have a patch. So Log4j doesn't fall into that category. So uh, Log4j is, I would call maybe a one day uh, vulnerability. So we already have a patch. The patch just came recently. So that's the challenge here. Uh, but definitely there are other uh, vulnerabilities that would be zero day, which means there are no patch. There is no patch. And there are other mechanisms to mitigate those controls. So maybe Yuri, you want to start with that? Uh, maybe address both zero-day attacks, but also uh, one-day attacks. Yeah, on on the zero-day ones. Um, in light of time, I, I will phrase it quite quite simply. Look at mitigating controls. Yeah, um, you might use log4j as an example, but be aware, right? Um, when we had, um, I think earlier this year, the, the exchange um, vulnerability and, and the exchange zero day, yeah? You need to analyze what are the mitigating factors. Yeah. Um, and, and from that point on, you, you, can, you can move forward. There, there, is, there is always a way to, to mitigate it, yeah? Um, in some cases, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's just, um, I think, changing some parameters um, in, in registry or in the code. Yeah, and that's pretty okay. In other cases, it, it, it might be more difficult. Yeah, but, but that is always the case. And, and that's the approach um, that, that we also, we, we always take is um, certainly with zero days, look at mitigation. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's where it starts. And, and I think, Certainly in case of zero day, vendors are typically very quickly with, with patching. Yeah. Normally there are exceptions as well, of course, but they're quick, they're pretty quick. So so I would say look at mitigation and then patch as soon as possible when the patch comes available. Makes sense. Ruben, anything to add on that? No, I agree with you, Yoin. Again, just for adding more defense in depth and the general strategies can definitely help in the protection against zero days and one days, but uh, it's called zero day because as much you can do about it. Right, right. There is no fix yet, no official fix yet. We <laughs> mitigate the risk. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, so I think we are out of time. Uh, so one, I want to thank uh, Yuri and Ruven for joining this webinar. I think it was a great discussion and uh, I'm sure everyone needs to go back to deal with their luck for Jay. <laughs> 
plan. Uh, so thank you very much for joining. Uh, we This is uh, recorded. So if you missed anything or you want to share with your friends, you'll be able to see it in the um, Hub Security uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and then if you have more questions for us, uh, if you already registered for this event, you will get uh, a thank you note and some contact information for the speakers today. So if you want to ask us any question, want to reach out, uh, you'll be able to do that. So uh, thank you everyone, uh, very much, everyone, and have a great day. And uh, let's go uh, solve the, the problem. Let's go solve Lock4J uh, vulnerability. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you very Take much. Care.